Welcome to the Better You Podcast. My name is Ian Bickle and I want to help you create a happier, healthier, more energised and successful version of you. The Better You Podcast is all about exploration and growth. I'll be speaking to people that can give us lessons and principles we can apply to our own lives. I want to empower, educate and give you the freedom, energy, mindset and autonomy for you to take back control of your life. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe, share and leave a kind review so we can share the positivity. Let's get into it. Hey everybody and welcome back to the podcast. My name of course is Ian Bickle and today I am joined with the wonderful Rebecca Heald. How are you today, Rebecca? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> Short introduction. I'm going to I'm going to continue it on, don't you worry. So Rebecca is a nutritionist and confidence coach, personal confidence coach for, is it more than nutrition? Yes. Yes, that's my business, more than nutrition. That's your yeah. business. You help business owners, women get body confident um, who have had previous issues in regards to their body image, trauma, and you've got what is interestingly known as a trauma-informed approach so I'm very interested and I'm sure the listeners are really interested in this and last night I had a big revelation I was like Rebecca healed and then it's like heal I was like healing relationships and I thought to myself this is amazing I'm going to tell Rebecca about this on the podcast and then asked her how do I pronounce your surname just to be sure and then she ruined it is the short um story there but <laughs> But that's what we're here to do. Segue time is to help people heal their relationships with themselves, with food, uh, with their body satisfaction and so on and so forth. And today's podcast is going to be very conversational. Um, but I guess first and foremost, Rebecca, what I want to do is just ask you, like, what exactly is it you do? But I guess more importantly, why is it that you do that? Okay, right. Have we got three three days? No, joking. Um, yeah, no. Thank you, and and thank you so much um, f- for that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you're spot on. And it's interesting because obviously, when I obviously not everybody will know this, but when I first set out, first helped my business, um, I was still married, so my surname was different. So going back to my maiden name almost fit really, really well in the direction I was going with my business. Anyway, so um, yeah. And I also just wanted to make a point that I do work with women, but I do work with men as well, uh, because I think, let's not forget that these are things that are impacting on men as well as women. And I think that's sometimes something that we do forget. And actually, at the moment, for the first time probably ever since I set up my business, I think that I am 75% men, 25% women. Um, but I must admit that women, you know, the majority of the work that I have done um, over the last few years has been with women. And like anyone out there, I think my journey has evolved over the last three or four years in terms of um, what I do, what I offer, how I work with people. So I probably started out as quite a standard nutritionist, felt like I had to give nutrition advice according to what everybody else um, thought that I should. Um, but one of the reasons that I went into nutrition, why I, I retrained and I set up my business, is because of my past, my history, my relationship with food, um, my, my issues around trauma, domestic abuse, and how they impacted on my body image and how they led to me ending up with an eating disorder. 
So it wasn't it wasn't long before I kind of started to find my way and start to think, okay, what I'm what I'm doing here isn't really aligning with what I want to do. I don't want to be kind of reinforcing this notion that people need to be restricting their food intake or going on diets. I want to be helping them to develop self-compassion, self-love, you know, really start to enjoy and accept the body that they're in and let go of those rules around food and heal their relationship with themselves as well as with food. So yeah, and, and it's funny because I think a lot of people think they come to me and I'm going to just help them sort out their diet. I'm going to say, right, this is what you need to do. But it, it goes far beyond that. And actually what tends to happen is that we do, I work with people on all of the other stuff, the deeper things that are going on that are affecting their relationship with food. So then they almost, they, they kind of, you know, they heal their relationship and they sort out their diet, their, their diet themselves because I teach them to listen to their intuition again so that they can find that balance, find that moderation without any pressure. But one thing I do want to kind of also point out here is this, that whilst I am, and you, you mentioned this very rightly so, is that whilst I take a trauma-informed approach, and that does mean sometimes digging deep, it's not, we don't go too much into that. We don't go into, you know, we don't, I'm not a trauma-focused, um, you know, practitioner. So we don't kind of, I, I don't, I'm not there to help people unpick their trauma and I'm there to kind of help them acknowledge how it has impacted their beliefs around food and their body now. Because fundamentally, the way that we eat, the food choices that we make on a day-to-day -day basis are literally informed by the beliefs that we've created early in childhood, in our teens, in our early life. Okay, and very often when trauma is experienced, that can create faulty beliefs, which then leads to this poor relationship with food and body. And it's acknowledging that and it's creating that space for someone because I'm sorry if I'm going a little bit off on one, but trauma informed means that I don't have an agenda with my clients. I don't have a 12 step program. Yes, I have principles and I have things that I often know people need to work on and need to and, and skills that people need to develop but it's very dynamic. Okay. We go through a process, but I'm always creating space for a client to explore the things that they need to explore and acknowledge that me enforcing my own ideas and my beliefs on them isn't going to be the way that they're going to heal. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think this is really why I wanted to get you on to the podcast as well is because like our values align hugely with the clients that we both work with is that we very quickly realize that there's more to this than just changing somebody's what I call surface level stuff like dietary and exercise patterns where in fact we can't forget that these have went through a life prior to coming to us um, as children adults and so on and so forth and a big part of the work that I do with clients is prepare them for the change because very often this is why People, like you say, people just want a sticking plaster. We live in this society that wants a quick fix. We live in this society that just want things to be better overnight, that want to see progress consistently, and they want to see big progress, yeah? Um, and very often, in order to be able to do the work with me, we have to go through an initial phase of, um, you know, preparing ourselves for change, acknowledging the, the way that things, the way that we've been conditioned, and rather than just trying to go in and be like, right, okay, we're going to do this, 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 this. Um, it's about really, you know, preparing the mind and the body to be able to accept that that new way of thinking. It's it's almost like we, we're having to retrain the ego. <laughs> yeah. 
It's um, you know, I, I find like this what makes the the transformations for lack of a better term, because I think that world word has been hammered by diet culture, but we're we're I call it the transformation people are really looking for, you know, so that they they're not perceiving that they reach this body goal and all of a sudden it's sunshine rainbows and life is perfect because that's a perceptive thing you're going to say something there Rebecca no no, like... no no you're absolutely right no you're absolutely right no, yeah, so, so it's it's very much like an organic process and people almost seemingly settle into this new way of life and it doesn't seem to have much perceived effort is that a kind of similar way you find working with your clients yeah, I think, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think that, you know, clients that I work with always go through this stage where they think, what is it that we're really doing? How is it? Because it, it, it's exactly that. It's not like they have light bulb moments, but they don't have these sudden wave. It's not like, you know, like if you go on a traditional diet and it's like, oh, yes, amazing. I've, I've reached my goal weight of losing X amount of stuff. And, and, and then you never know that that's really you know, any client that's worked with me as well always knows that that never gives them the the happiness, the freedom, the, the, the everything that they thought that they were going to get from that number on the scales, let's say. But I, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is that what tends to happen is subtle changes tend to happen along the way. And clients end up just being, you know, so grateful that they've, that they, you know, I've, I've created this this new way of thinking for them to facilitate that if rather than me putting pressure on them to do X, Y, Z, that then they're going to run out of steam up because they're probably relying on willpower or something like that. Um, and, and yeah, and it's like you say, it's, and I, you know, you don't just reach this point when you're healing your relationship with food in your body, you don't reach this point where it's all perfect and it's blue skies and it's, you know, and, 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 and everything feels wonderful every single day. You're having to work on it all the time. You know, you're having to, you know, there will still be days, even when you are, and even when you are healed. And when I say you are healed, I don't, I don't genuinely don't think any of us ever get to a page but stage where we're fully healed because life just doesn't work like that. We change, life changes, new things come along. We're living in a society that doesn't always support, you know, the work that I'm doing with clients. Our society is so, you know, there's so much weight stigma, there's so much fat phobia, there's so, you know, and it's ingrained within so many of our systems, our healthcare system, our education system, everything. So we're constantly having to navigate that. But what I do is I help clients to build the skills so that they become more resilient, they become stronger. I mean, I was, I had a coffee with an ex-client yesterday and things have really hit the fan for her at work. And we were talking things through and she was, you know, and we were talking about, she was saying, you know, about all the tools and the strategies that we'd worked on and that she was pulling out of the bag to help her get through now. And she just said, yeah, it's difficult right now. She goes, but I'll tell you something, I am a hell of a lot more resilient. I would have walked away and given up on my business you know, if we hadn't done the work that we did together, but, you know, I'm still here, I'm still standing, it's hard work, but, you know, I, I, I know what to do, I know I'm, I'm more, I'm, you know, I'm more in tune with myself, I know um, what I need to do, and how I need to move forward with this. Sorry, I've gone right on a tangent, but does that make, yeah. No, I, I, I love tangents, I think that, um, because there is so much um, nuance, we can't just say something without adding and applying that. And that what that just shows to me that you're a coach. You're not a, a a kind of just like this is black and white because there is no such thing as black and white. And I love that um 
kind of reframe that your client done that's something that i do with my clients ask them well what would have the old version of you have done Mm -hmm. um for example on holiday they go away and they gain three pounds four pounds um whereas maybe the old version of them would have gained two stone because they would have went into you know fuck it mode and not caring and you know internalize that as them being a failure and so on and so forth so we can have just this more broader consistency across the big picture as opposed to just kind of chunking time so like in such short um things so i think that's like a, a brilliant way to kind of look at things when was it for you that like really the penny dropped so you mentioned that you'd had your past with diets and eating disorders what like kind of made you go now nah, I need to this needs to be different it's funny because I don't think there was ever this it's like anything I don't mm. think I just woke up one day and went oh okay this is how it needs to be I think my business has evolved as my journey has evolved mm-hmm. um so I I think for me, having my second son um, was a time when I first started to think, right, I've got so much more to offer the world. You know, um, I was still in the because, you know, I've still got I've still got a, a, an employed job that I'm still doing at the moment. Um, and, you, you know, but I was just thinking, you know, I, I feel like I want to do more. There's, you know, I've got I've got so much passion, so much expertise, so much experience around this and I want to share it you know I want to be heard yeah you know you just and this is the thing what I say to clients just listen to your intuition you know my intuition was screaming to me at that stage you are you've got more to offer yeah um didn't know what that was to begin with I delved into all sorts of things I I, I looked into just standard counseling I even tried forever living you know and then it's like hold on a minute here you know I've got my experience here with with you know with with an eating disorder with trauma but at that point I was still stuck in my toxic marriage yeah and so it was difficult to kind of maybe see the wood through the trees but there was still that feeling there yeah I still had some work to do on myself so I did I did go and I did retrain and it's almost once I retrained and I then developed began to develop that confidence in myself and you know find myself a little bit more that's then when I was like hang on a minute here I'm also in this you know, this, this situation, this toxic marriage, there's domestic abuse going on. It's having an impact on me. It's having an impact on my kids. I need to do something about this. Yeah. So it was then that I, it was probably when I left, you know, when I left my husband, ex-husband that I then thought, actually, I want to align what I'm doing with a more trauma informed approach, helping people to rather than just put a sticking plaster over what's going, I want to really dig deep and give my clients the skills to live their life freely and happily forevermore, you know? So the work they do with me shouldn't, you know, should be the last time they ever have to think about, you know, working on their body image, working on on a diet, working on anything like that, because I should give them the, the tools and the skills and change their way of thinking enough so that then they can manage that throughout the rest of their lives. That doesn't mean, like I said, that it's ever going to be wonderful or perfect, but the amount of times I'll get messages from previous clients saying this happened and I noticed this and, uh, you know, and I'm so pleased that I'm free from that, but they're having to navigate difficult circumstances all the time, but they, they'll message me to go, I really dealt with this really well. And I'm like, you know, and that's like six months, a year down the line. So that gives me confidence in the approach that I'm taking. Does that make sense? No, I think that's really the, the sign that 
the program is a success it's it's not what the clients do within the period of time you're working with you because they've got accountability and support but you're actually preparing them to go out a lot like the analogy i like is like listen i'm like your driving instructor but you're fundamentally behind the wheel yeah At first i might be very hands-on but i'm going to be as hands-on as i need to be so i'm not going to grab the wheel every time you make a mistake but over time by the time we're done i'm probably just going to be sat beside you and that repetition's really what's feeding into the long-term success and now it's like you've passed your test this is where really the real learning comes in when you're on your own um, and would teach it using those principles that you learned in the big bad world. But as you repeat them, you become more confident with them and they get kind of automatically that becomes the new, new neural pathway. And then over time, it's just happening within an instant and you're making these decisions that are just easy and effortless now. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned about the new neuropathways because that is it. You know, we are rewiring the way that people think. And it's, it's interesting because I think what, at one point, and that, that principle's never really changed. Well, not, not you know, um, not for a long time for me in terms of rewiring people, the way people think. But I, w- I would say that potentially the way that, that, that I've evolved in my approach is that um in the beginning it was probably more about focusing on the behaviors and focusing on on how people needed to create new neuropathways that way whereas I've probably more now have moved towards getting them to be more changing the way that they're approaching and thinking rather than just changing the behavior if that makes sense so Mm -hmm. it's more about getting them to replace the negative thinking the negative self thoughts with the positive thinking getting them to replace judgment with curiosity yeah getting them to 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 begin to build that trust and listen to themselves more and just stop and think does that make because then it's it's almost like then they they are in charge of those behaviors that they want to change because they're, they're, they're doing it from a place deep within themselves rather than from this I need to be doing this or I should be doing that or you know society says I should be doing that or that diet says that I should do this does that make sense no no absolutely I think like reframing a feeling um you know things like fear uh, I call that like excitement it means that you're doing you're, something you're, different your feelings are always communicating with you it's like anxiety right I used to have this I mean I I, I still suffer with anxiety I'm not going to lie you don't out of a 20 year old domestic you 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 don't you you know what I mean and you know I I I'm not gonna lie I still struggle with anxiety I've got coping skills and mechanisms and it doesn't it doesn't disempower me like it used to but yeah reframing anxiety I always used to think oh god anxiety is something awful I need to try you know but actually anxiety is when you begin to listen to it it's it's a little friend trying to tell you that something isn't right Mm-hmm. And like you say, the same with fear. It is about refer- it's remembering that, you know, all of these feelings that you're having are there for a reason. Feelings, they are, it's your body's way of communicating with you. And when you can listen to them and, you know, like you say, reframe them and become in tune with them and understand where these fears or where these feelings, sorry, are coming from. Because just remember that feelings are usually a result of a thought pattern. And a thought pattern is usually a result of a belief. Yeah. So it's about thinking, right, I'm feeling this. My body's trying to communicate with me. Where's this coming from? You know, what thought pattern has created this? And what belief have I got has created that thought pattern? So 
for example, if people have anxiety around food, it could be because they're thinking that what they're eating is not right. It's it's wrong. It's unhealthy. And this comes from an, a, a faulty belief that certain foods are good or bad. Yeah. Um, and it's the same around body image. You know, if you if you're feeling uncomfortable in your body and I always try to get because the thing is, right, you know, one thing I will say is, and I know we're going off on another tangent now, but one thing I will say is that I don't lie to my clients and say to them, work with me and I'm going to get you to love your body. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't work like that. But what I am going to help you to do is to accept your body and be okay with your body and not let those negative thoughts and feelings overpower you so that they dictate your mood, you know, the way you feel, etc. It's about having a more neutral um, so the reason I'm going on, on this is it's because people go, oh, I feel fat, I feel bloated, I feel awful. You feel uncomfortable. That's okay. What's not okay is to use words like fat, awful, bloated, I'm a pig. That is, you know, that is self-abuse, yeah? Mm-hmm. Whereas just acknowledging that you're feeling uncomfortable in your body is then acknowledging that, yeah, it doesn't feel quite, it doesn't feel right right now, but that's okay. I'm acknowledging it and I'm going to get on with my day, yeah? And But then it's about also thinking, okay, where is this, where is this coming from? You know, if we feel uncomfortable in our bodies or not happy with our weight, is it because we've been led to believe that we should be this standard, you know, we should be matching this, this beauty standard, this ideal, you know, we're told from a very young age, if you're a big, the amount of times a client will say to me, I've had issues since I was a kid, because I was always the bigger kid. I've always struggled with food because I've always been the bigger kid. Well, you were probably supposed to have been in a bigger body, but society has made you feel bad or wrong for being in that bigger body. So you've spent your whole life trying to force yourself into a body that isn't right for you. And so it's like, yeah, but it's not right. You know, I shouldn't be bigger. It's going to give me health implications. But no, that's not necessarily the the truth. So Mm -hmm. it's reframing those beliefs that have been developed from a young age. So then that changes the way you think, which can then fundamentally change the way you feel. And as you said, like, it's, you know, beauty standards are really determined about what society yes. deem beautiful. So if we go back, whatever, I don't know the time frame, but there was once upon a time where being large was seen as, you know, being beautiful and a sign it of is, wealth and so on exactly. and so forth. Exactly. So I think it was like 60s or 70s is when this thin ideal came in. Yeah. Right? Twiggy, you know, all that kind of, you know, and that's when then, you know, it was like, um, you know, it was low fat diets with all the rage and all of that. If you look back, there are trends, but no, you make, and I think anybody who's listening, I really would recommend um, reading. I don't know if you've read this, um, Ian, it's Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina, by Sabrina Strings. Pens out, Fearing. The Black Body. The Black Body. Because that is, um, you know, that will help people put into context where this, you know, where this, uh, where diet culture comes from and how rooted in racism it is because mm-hmm. like you say there was there was a point when because I think it was you know there was a point like yeah I think it's about recognizing how the way that we think and we feel about our bodies and food is because we've been conditioned and we've been conditioned by societal structures yeah and, and most people want an, a simple answer to complicated problems and they're often asking just very black and white stuff is this good is this bad is this right is this wrong should i Uh, eat a sweet potato or a white potato oh my life you've got other things you need to think about (laughs) yeah and like obviously it's like 
you know, we we help people with like body image and acceptance and so on and so forth. And the irony is that there's not a, a large amount of the conversations I have with my clients often have little to do with nutrition or it's like almost a little, it's almost like a little tag on. You're just like, that's okay. I was trying to make earlier, yeah. Yeah, you know, so that's something that I find hugely like interesting. Um, whereas I feel a lot of, even my previous self, if I'm looking back, always my intentions have been right. But I think, it, would you say like going through what you've went through as far as the domestic abuse, as far as the eating disorders, has actually like made you a far better coach in terms of like the empathy you can bring into conversations, et cetera? Yeah. And I was actually speaking to a, a business coach about this the other day because she was like getting me to think about my values and my mission statement and, and my USP. And I said, one thing my clients always say is that they do feel because I and it's not just around the issues with food. It's around because I, I sometimes I work with clients, that, like I say, because, you know, we work on confidence. I work on helping people to I mean, one of my clients, bless him, he's in his 60s. And he said to me recently, you know, I've learned more about myself and learned to understand myself more over the last 12 weeks than I have in the last 60 odd years. Um, but yeah, sorry, going off. You know, it is. Um, what was your question again? It was, it was regards to your life experience yes, making sorry. you the coach that you are yeah 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 sorry so no that that's a lot of the feedback that I'll get and on a, you know some of the feedback that I've shared in um on social media some of the videos some of the screenshots of messages that clients have sent to me they always say the fact that they know that I understand and I've got empathy makes a big difference because they feel that they can be more vulnerable with me because mm. at the end of the day if you're not prepared to be vulnerable if you're not prepared to have difficult conversations, if you're not prepared to be honest, and this is what I do, you know, this is the other thing clients always say, you always call me out, you call me out on, because clients will try and convince themselves, oh no, it's not because I want to lose weight, it's because I want to get healthy. And then, you know, so I'm, I'm constantly thinking, like, let's really dig into that, let's really think about where all this is coming from, you know, and the reason, the reason that I help them to do that is because I know, I've been there, I've tried to convince myself of certain things and yeah so definitely the, the the short story is that I do feel that my experience not just with the eating disorder but yes with the domestic abuse and with the trauma from childhood as well because there's a reason you end up getting into a relationship that I got into you know it doesn't just you know it's because of issues that I had that you know traumas that I had in early life and you know it's sad when I look back but then you know it's also meant that I've helped so many people already to you know to to be in a better place and if that means if I went through everything I went through to do that then so be it the hardest thing for me from a personal level the hardest thing for me has been breaking generational trauma because this is often what I'm doing with a lot of my clients is helping them to break the generational trauma because you know clients often are on diets or struggling because of you know issues or trauma that their parents had experienced yeah so, and, and I guess that's why I got into what I'm doing as well is because I didn't want the same. I didn't want to see the same, the same patterns repeating for my own kids. So they are, they are, they've always been my driving force, I think. And, and you know, I've got one young baby, uh, well, a toddler, and then I've got a baby due two weeks from now as uh, the recording of this podcast. So by the time it's actually released, uh, I'll probably be inundated with nappies and, my my question is right. What um what message am I sending them? And yes. if if my son 
um, or my children come to me in the future, what asking me certain things, it's like, well, what do I want to say to them? Um, and if I'm not sure of myself um, and I'm not confident within myself or if my um, perceptive perceptions are warped a little bit, it's like then I'm kind of pushing that onto them. It's like being a great parent, almost like being a coach as well, and it's asking the the child what they want to do and, I, yeah the work I do and how I've evolved it's you know it's been I, I yeah I go into coach mode with my kids and it's it's interesting because there are two points I, I want to make there because I'm massively passionate massively passionate about you know changing things for our children I, I think the education system doesn't support what I'm trying to do I don't think you know because even aspirations in school just let our kids be kids let our kids find themselves who the hell knows at seven years old what they want to be when they get older you know and then we're just setting our kids up to to, to decide what they want to be when they're seven and then literally there was a there was a quote I can't remember who this quote was from um but it was it's there's a quote and it's something it says something like um decide you what you want to be when you get old or decide that you want to be a doctor or a nurse or whatever and that will become your hell whereas just live each day as it comes and, and let it evolve and you you're free you know you'll find happiness and and that's not me saying you should you shouldn't have ambition you shouldn't have focus you shouldn't have drive you absolutely should but I think when we become so attached to outcomes mm. and it's the same with diets when we become so attached to outcomes this is when the issues come in this is when we begin to lose ourselves because we are never the same person two days in a row. We're changing, we're evolving all the time. And we have to listen to ourselves and our intuition rather than listen to some external structure that's telling us to go a certain way. Anyway, I, re- I want to go back again because my point around the children is, number one, we can't give our children anything we don't have ourselves. So if you haven't learned to have a healthy relationship with food, how, the, how on earth can you then pass that on to your children? If you haven't got a healthy relationship with your body, how can you pass that on to your children? Yeah, if you haven't... If you've got, if you haven't been able to, whatever. Yeah, this is why it's so important, you know, to be honest with ourselves. And then the other thing is like what you said, it's about modeling, isn't it? You can't say, okay, to your children, right, you can't eat this or you can eat this or you should eat in this certain way or all foods are okay. Let's embrace it. And let's let's have this, you know, non-diet culture approach to food when you're still restricting and, and, and dieting yourself. You've got to model. You've got to model for your kids. And I will be honest. I will be completely honest in the early days for me and I can still see it in my kids my my youngest is much freer much more I mean they're both very intuitive eaters they're, they're you know they're 11 and they're they're eight and they're very comfortable you know I'd say they're quite but I think their trauma has affected their self especially my youngest the trauma has affected his self-esteem and his confidence I'm not going to lie about that um but I think that my my youngest son has got a, a much more open approach to food than my eldest son, because I'll be honest with you, with my eldest son, I was like, I did some things right, I did, um, but I did a lot of things wrong. And I kidded myself for a long time that I was healed and I was okay and I no longer was struggling with disordered eating when I bloody was. And I was, and, and, and my son, children will pick up on that, yeah? And I think the other thing I want to say is that, because I talked to a to, to parents a lot and you know and they they do think a lot of parents these days do think that they need to control what their children are eating um they need to try and control 
the weight of their children. And we don't need to do that, but we're told and we're doing everything we can. Yeah, we're doing everything we can to be the best parents that we can be. And when we've got a society that are telling us, you need to put your child on the diet if they're overweight, you need to get your children, child into, you know, into football or whatever to get them to run off that weight. Or they've put weight on in the, you know, in the in the pandemic. They need to be, you need to be thinking about only offering healthy food and restricting their intake. You know, when you're being told that, everywhere every left right way you look you 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 lose your intuition as a parent as well and Mm. it's about I guess this is something that you know I I spoke to someone about this recently and you know obviously she was saying oh we need to go we need to put you know we need to be you know pretty much putting their child on a diet because their child had, had gained weight and I was like oh no you know you don't you need to be thinking more about this you know this division of responsibility and really encouraging your child to you know trust their own body and find you know be comfortable in the body that is right for them, grow into the body that is right for them. And she was like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. She goes, why is no one telling us this? You know, and I guess that's why I'm on this mission, yeah. you know. And it was only on, uh, I think we shared it on LinkedIn and had a bit of back and forth about like one in four children actively dieting, even though a large percentage of them don't actually have any issues <laughs> around um around their weight they're a healthy weight and it, it, we're not born with body image issues would no, come out the no, we're not born to be racist Sorry, yeah, on, yeah we're not born to be racist uh, or to shame or to have the beliefs that ultimately people um have um especially around like kind of any anything especially food so people often come to me with this very black and white um thought process and it is about kind of helping people operate within the gray areas and and see beyond the surface level and and look a little bit deeply and and especially I think at other people because a lot of people just perceive I mean they might look at the likes of myself and yourself who on a surface level is very healthy but are they perceived to be healthy um versus well what 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 you actually see is all you're actually shown hence these conversations to kind of peel back the layers a little bit. So I'm sure when you were going through your eating disorder at points, it would have been celebrated and reinforced until it went too far because. Yeah. We celebrate disordered eating because yeah. it's seen as, you know, by society, it's seen as virtuous to restrict mm. your intake and go to the gym when you really don't want to, because you're apparently pursuing health. Mm. But well, let's be honest, how many of us are really pursuing health when we're restricting and forcing ourselves to go to the gym? Usually we're doing it because we are, or if we are pursuing health, we think it's because our weight is unhealthy or whatever. We're, never, we're usually doing it because of weight issues, to maintain our weight or to, you know, we're not, we're not actually doing it because we want to feel good. We want to feel energised. The other thing is it's not about, because I think... The one thing I want to say, and somebody commented actually on LinkedIn, I, I did a post the other day. So I'm trying to have a bit of fun with my post, but I did a post about, you know, if you want to stop binging in the evening, start allowing yourself to have, a, have you know, fun foods, as I like to call them, during the day. And someone said, well, what's stupid? What a stupid suggestion. You know, what a stupid idea. And, um, you know, it, it, it's like, well, the thing is, my, I'm not here to... I'm certainly not here to advocate unhealthy behaviours. That's not, you know, I'm not here to say go out and eat chocolate all day or go out and eat cake all day, but food should have no moral value. 
And actually, when you listen to your body, you will find that balance. There is nothing, you know, eating a bit of cake midday, for me, you know, is, 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 is showing someone's got a far healthier relationship with food than somebody who waits until after seven o'clock when the kids are in bed and then ends up eating far more than they wanted and feeling sick and then wanting to go on a diet the next day. Mm. You know, mm. and it, it's funny you're talk, talking about children um, and talking about how we're not born with these food, with, um, you know, conditions around food and we're not born with body image issues. Um, we're not born to give up either as we never learn to walk or read or write um the, you know I always say to, to people though that we are conditioned from a very young age not to trust our bodies because when you look at a, look at a baby right and you'll be going through this again soon yeah um, you know, you, but how many times have you have you seen did your mom do to you oh come on just one more spoon come on here's the airplane and a baby will sit there with their mouth shut get lost. I've, been, I've had enough now. My body said I've had enough, yet you're trying to force, but a child who's had enough, you, it's really hard to get them to open their mouth, isn't it? Because they're like, I'm trusting my body here. I've had enough. I'm okay. Yeah. But we're mm. telling them as babies in high chairs, mummy knows best. Mummy's made this food. You've got to eat it. You know? Mm. And then it's trying to attach some form of guilt to it. Like, you know, there's kids starving in Africa and... oh. Someone said that to my kids the other day. And I was like, excuse me, that's not appropriate. (laughs) That's not going to help that. You know, that's just, yeah. Because then there's guilt and shame, which then I've got so many clients that will not finish that struggle and overeat and binge because their parents told them that there were kids starving in Africa. So they created this belief that they had to finish the food, everything that's on their plate, no matter what. Mm. And it's really just um, stepping (laughs) into intuition and trust within people because they've lacked lacked it and or lost it you know and person commenting about linkedin saying what a stupid idea in like a bit of cake during a day whereas you know people who are waiting for their child to go to bed and they getting these thoughts feelings quite early in the day and maybe telling themselves i'm not going to binge not tonight and then they end up raiding the biscuit tin because something's potentially triggered them and instead of maybe having an innocent couple of hundred calories, the vendor up eating 2000 calories, but with the additional like um, emotional baggage that comes along with that. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Okay. Cause there are times when, you know, I will, I, cause th- just remember emotional eating isn't, isn't wrong. Okay. No. Um, it's, you know, that's the other thing, you know, diet culture has told you that, you know, emotional eating is a normal part of overeating is a normal part of having a healthy relationship with food. Undereating sometimes is normal. You know, there is no perfect. This is what I mean. There is no perfect. There's no place where you get and everything's perfect and you feel wonderful and you never overeat or you never undereat. That's just not, that's just ridiculous. But the thing is, um, what I'll say about that as well, again, about this, how there's nothing that is black and white. There are times when I, well, you know, I've had a busy day, I've had a long day, and I think, do you know what? I, I want some chocolate, and I'm going to enjoy some chocolate later when the kids are in bed and I've got some peace. And it's pure emotional eating, but that's okay. Yeah, I'm not restricting myself all day to save myself for that chocolate, but there are times when I want to just have that, that space to. So, so, what I'm trying to say is that, again, you know, eating in the evening when the kids are in bed is not necessarily, it's not a bad thing, is what I'm trying to say. But if you're restricting all day, if you're wanting some cake during the day and you're restricting and holding yourself back so that then you can, so that you can secret eat in the evening, then there's an issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, I love a, I love a takeaway. Um, 
you know, I think as well, being as kind of, I guess, perceived as health professionals, you know, there is that kind of, I get sometimes that feeling that I've got to be perceived as something, whereas um, yeah. I've actually, what I want to do is show people how they can enjoy food and be quote unquote healthy. But I guess it's, it's their version of health. And I would say like, personally I'm an anomaly because like of what I enjoy to do but I don't impart that onto my clients um I try and almost like not hide who I am I guess it's more so to kind of like I want you to come into this with a new in a neutral kind of way not to kind of look at me from a surface level and go oh Ian's this that and the other therefore he's going to make me do this that and whatever I'm just like listen I want to meet you where you're at and we're here to move you towards where you want to be very much on your terms versus what I do um it has nothing to do with you to a certain extent yeah this is why I mean I do share food I share things that I eat like just in posts Mm. and stuff when I'm going out that you know but like you say it's never you know what I what you eat has got no and the other thing is is there, there was always this this and I, I'm get I get this gets easier for me day in day out but I, I you know there is there was always this kind of this feeling that I had to always be looking like I was eating healthily um because otherwise people would think I was no good at my job and but then I was like you know but all I'm doing there is creating this image that the, there has to be some kind of perfection which is not true there are some days you know when I you know some days some days just better than others there was I mean I, I have a good structure I have a good routine I'm flexible with that some days it goes out the window some days it's spot on you know um and the other thing is is because the, there was this other, there's this thing as well of like I'm mindful that because sometimes like I, I I've got this thing about you know diet foods right I just think you know there are so many you know eat this low calorie cereal bar or have this low fat whatever and as you know most of it's just a load of rubbish and it's just empty you know it's just protein bars yeah you know and but the thing is and and um you know there are times though when I will make a choice I will make a a low fat choice I mean I'm trying Mm. to think of one now but I can't think of one but but let's say for example you know or, or I make a you know, I might, or when I go out for a meal, I will, and I need to do a post about this because I went out for a meal last week, went out for a tie and I, it was really, really hot that day. And I don't know, and I just remember going and I remember going, I really want a salad. I really want this Thai salad. And, and I remember thinking, God, you know, people might think I'm trying to do it because I'm trying to hold back. And I just thought, do you know what? At the end of the day, right, my choices, there are days when I will choose a salad and there are days when I will choose a pizza my choices have got nothing to do with anybody else and nobody should judge me on it I should you know do you know what I mean it's almost like yeah. that I, I wanted the salad that day because that's what I wanted and that's what I preferred I might choose a diet coke because that's what I want and that's what I prefer you know there should be no moral there should and, and that's the way it should be does that yeah. you know and I think when you when you have a healthy relationship with food and you're letting your body guide you you'll make those choices and sometimes you will make choices that you might think are that you know People against diet culture might go, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be doing this. But I guess my point is, like you say, nothing's black and white. Everything is nuanced. We have a choice. And usually when you are making your choices intuitively rather than because of rules, balance is achieved. Moderation is achieved. People say, what is, I had this conversation with a client recently. I want to, you know, I want to find balance. I want to find moderation. What does moderation mean? Well, moderation means only eating bread once a day. 
no, 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 that doesn't, that is not what moderation means. Moderation is when you can listen to your body without any food rules. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, that's something that a lot of people, like I'm very neutral towards food and I like, I enjoy food. I'm a foodie. I used to work as a chef, like, yeah. um, you know, so it's funny how that kind of transpired to where I am now and being able to actually cook um, and experiment with food. Cause I think life should be somewhat experimental as well. Like experiencing food and enjoying it instead of like, you know, fooling yourself that you can live this restrictive lifestyle only to kind of go the other direction um, because people only associate like health with some form of of restriction and perceive like a lot of the feedback I get from my clients is like this this is really quite easy and I'm like yeah because yeah. you've you've been conditioned to think like simply weight management is a as a hard thing we want you to live a life that aligns with the person that you want to be and have a diet that you actually enjoy yes sometimes you're going to eat a salad we have to meet principles and um, go back to when you were talking about this kind of diet food and the nutritionist in us is very much like when someone mentions protein bars I'm like thinking amino acid profile leucine threshold blah 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 and then I, I go come on and take a step or two back is this a better decision is this person like you know and it's like well we've got to look at a multitude of angles in the context that it's done within before we can give just a simple um, black and white answer, we have, unfortunately. We to, and, and, and we always have to ex- appreciate a person's experiences. So, mm. you know, and, and like I say, I, I work with clients that have struggles, that have issues, that have had things happen. That, and so putting them on a diet, making them count calories, you know, get, it just wouldn't work because it would just send them that stand another disordered eating spiral. For some might, you know, for other mm. people it might. But the thing is, um, you mentioned about health, uh, weight management as well. Mm. Weight management happens when we trust our bodies and we allow our bodies to find, you know, weight management shouldn't be something that needs to be controlled. Weight management shouldn't be something that, you know, is coerced because at the end of the day, just remember our bodies like homeostasis our bodies love to be in you know and weight the other thing about weight management we're all supposed to be in a range okay mm. your weight is not supposed to stay stable if you're trying to keep your weight at a particular I mean I was talking to someone recently I thought I've got to stay beha- below nine stone got to stay below nine stone if I get over and I'm like but your weight's probably supposed to fluctuate within a range around that you know my weight fluctuates you know and everybody's weight is supposed to fluctuate we're not supposed to stay the same weight 365 days a year but we are supposed to stay in a range Okay, we are, we have a set point. We are born to be, all of us are born with a blueprint, a genetic blueprint that says, Rebecca, you know, when she's a grown adult, a grown woman, this is the range that her body is going to feel comfortable in, right? And I'm going to send out all of these signals about how active she could be, she should be, the kind of food she should be eating to help her stay in that range. Your Mm -hmm. body is the best weight, your intuition is the best weight management tool. You end up ruining that when you get stuck in diet rules, diet culture, you know, start ignoring the trust that your body has given you. Does that make, you know, just, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of these really like challenging things to approach. Cause obviously the, you know, we're living in the environment that we're living in where, yes. where food is ever more present, it's ever more affordable. And then we've got also like the socio economical effect, um, 
food availability, affordability. Yes. So we've got to like, you know, those that are listening to this, like even some people might not might hugely benefit from like having a one to one coach, but it's just simply not in their financial means, especially the day and age we live in. But it's like this information is free, but it's even as coaches, the responsibility is still on you as an individual to make them kind of to explore those sorts of areas. Yeah. Now, that's true. I have a little bit of a beer on it, and I'm sorry because I, I but I'm open to discussion about any of I love it. No, no, it's great. You mentioned you mentioned you're absolutely right. Socioeconomic status plays a, a massive part. Um, you know, there are people that are living on, you know, with food banks. Um mm. and yeah, and also as well, like you say. Um but anyway, there was something else you said there that I wanted to pick out on. But the, the one thing that I did want to say about this individual, the responsibility on the yes, you know, to a certain extent, a person has to want to change and a person or a person has to want to heal their relationship with food or except, but I think there is this, this issue where the NHS um and sorry, and another structural, you know, other other um trying to think now but you know they, they put too much emphasis on the individual so mm. it will be you know you, you'll you'll go to the doctors and it'll be like right you're overweight your bmi is such and such you need to lose weight you need to cut carbs you need to go away you need to do it and we are forgetting about the oppression that that person may be suffering from we're, we're forgetting about the weight stigma the discrimination the way that society has conditioned them to think and feel in a certain way and then we're, we're forgetting all of that and just saying go on and get on with it Go and lose, yeah. you know, so it's about there is and, and, and somebody commented on this again on my LinkedIn post and saying, you know, let's not sugarcoat this. People need to take responsibility. You know, it's as simple as X, Y, Z. And I'm like, it's not. Can we please stop putting all or it, again, it's not black and white. It's not just like, right, you need to take responsibility. Get on with it. OK, because everything around us has created, you know, the way that we think and we feel. And so whilst we do have to take responsibility, we've also got to have the self-compassion to recognise that this isn't just because you haven't got enough willpower. This isn't just because you've just slipped into bad habits. This is because of everything that's... And, and, and the other point you make, sorry, this was the other point I wanted to pick up on about the food environment. Yeah, totally. Food environment is an issue. You know, the fact that people, you know, government is more bothered about money than it is health. Um, that's another conversation the fact that you know massive food industries are putting billions millions billions of pounds into marketing the the the, the, the most intelligent psychologists in the world are the ones that are creating these adverts to help you get sucked into these foods and then they do they do you know they are an issue however what makes it even more of an issue for a person is if they are then conditioned to think that they've got to restrict and live by diet culture rules because then they've got all of this you know, you need to eat this food. Every time you go into a supermarket, there's a free for two or there's, you know, you go into a supermarket and the smell of bread and cakes is pumped in there to make you want to buy them. And then you're like, oh, but I shouldn't have those things. I shouldn't have those things because everybody's telling me that to lose weight, I can't have them. So then it just becomes even more complex. Whereas when you've got a more, when you, when you've got a, when you've got, when you've got a healthy relationship with food, when you're not restricting, when you are, uh, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? You know, um, when you're not a restrictive eater you're less likely to um succumb to those external cues mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yes. I think there was a research, there was some research that was done around restrictive versus non-restrictive eaters. And it said that, and there's been quite a few studies around this, but there was one in particular where they did a study. And I remember this is all observational, you know, it, it's all, you know, we've got to take every all of these studies with a pinch of salt, um, you know, but I think something like when restrictive eaters went to a restaurant and had a meal and, and, and had enough, um, when they were offered dessert, even if they were full, you know, when it was there in front of them, they would eat it because they was like, oh, this is my last opportunity. When I go home tonight, I'm not going to eat again, any of this food again. Whereas unrestrictive eaters were able to say no to the dessert when it came out because they knew that if they wanted to, they could have it again when they weren't, you know, when they weren't so full. Yeah. So all of this environment is an issue, but it's made worse when we feel like we've got to have willpower and control. The, the only way to navigate this environment for me is to get people back to listening to and trusting their bodies. You, you look at my kids. We bought a smash cake at the weekend. I posted this on social media. We bought this big smash cake, right? Now, they've been eating it. My kids have been eating it for breakfast, I'll be quite honest. But they will leave. if they've, Once I've had enough, they'll leave it. It's still there. You know, five, six days in, this smash cake is still there because... They're not going to, they're not binging on it because they can take or leave it. They still want them. Yesterday I said to my son, do you want some cake? I can have some pineapple, mum. Yeah, have some pineapple, son. Do you know what I mean? Because, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping I'm illustrating the point. No, no, absolutely. I think like it all can be kind of illustrated on the front of, say, a, a woman's magazine or even a men's health magazine. It's like, you know, you've got on the front of it, you've got lose seven pounds in a week and then you've got, in the other part accepting your body and then the other part you've got like how to, how to how to make a, a the a cake or something and you're just like right well what what am I doing I um so I think it's it's sometimes you know when it comes to taking that responsibility and ownership is to maybe go into the future with like a little bit more of a kind of an open mind with yes. all of these yeah, making, I guess, a more informed um, mindset, um, using that intuition and building that intuition. But intuition is just something that's learned. So it's like almost going back to square one or moving forward with a clean, clean slate. Intuition isn't something, intuition is something we're born with. Intuition is always there. The thing is, is that we have to reconnect with it. So I'm not teaching clients anything they don't already know. I'm reconnecting them. That's yeah. what I always say. I'm reconnecting you with what you already know. It's really simple. And, you know, I sit there so many times in a session and I know exactly what a client needs to do on it. But I, I never, I'll never, ever, I'm not, a, when I, when I, because when I, whilst I do coach clients and help them to reach their own conclusions, um, I wouldn't say it's pure coaching because I do offer guidance and I do offer, mm. but I always end up offering it once they've kind of explored things. And one thing I will say is that, if there's one thing that I want people to take away from listening to me, <laughs> it's replace judgment with curiosity, you know, just always be curious, always think, you know, what, what, why am I doing this? What's rather than beating yourself up or thinking you've got to, you know, it's replace judgment with curiosity. And that's across the board. When I lose my shit, excuse my language, with my kids, and rather than going, oh, my God, I'm a terrible mum t- these days, rather than being like, I'm a terrible mum, why did I do that? I go, right, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Has that come from because I'm stressed, because I'm tired, because somebody's upset me? Has it come from something that I, you know, it's, it's because you're never going to learn. You're never going to learn and change that behaviour if you don't, don't get curious, if you just beat yourself up for doing something wrong. Because this is the other thing about diets. They make you feel shameful. They make you feel bad. They make you feel wrong. They make you judge yourself. 
and then you stay stuck and you don't learn and you can't move on as i think this this is why these discussions are so you know important and i think like when people come to work with coaches such as ourselves they just need to recognize that there is it is a judgment-free space and we actually want yeah and you want to be i want you to come to the conversations and i'll tell clients come to the conversations but come to the conversations especially when you've got this perceived like struggles and you know what maybe you would have um said would have been a failure in the past because that really can be the best fuel for us moving forward um because it's not going to be sunshine and rainbows i've had clients work with me and they go on holiday during the periods we're working together and i'm like great this is perfect oh yeah I'll, brilliant I, yeah yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're the best uh, you know it's like life's gonna happen i'm like you know christmas comes around every year uh don't be shocked like it's it's getting people start getting out this diet culture of like we'll start on monday or um start after x y and z and it's like no you've got to understand that all of this is part of what you're doing um and as you rightly mentioned there that your weight will fluctuate that is absolutely normal but like your weight's going to fluctuate depending on what you're doing with your life um and yeah just because different things go up and down the priority list it doesn't mean they go out of the priority list um so no i've um I think like to be fair, I we went into this podcast and you were like, what we're we gonna talk about here? And I was like, I don't know. I wanna just talk. I just wanna kind of have a bit of a conversation. Let's go on tangents, let's see where it goes, because uh these tend to be the best conversations. Um, and I'm sure we're gonna hook up down the line and um have more of these kind of informed conversations. But before I let you go, Rebecca, first and foremost, huge thank you. Um, but secondly. Where can people find you if they want to know a little bit more about you and, and connect? So I'm working on, I have got my website, um, morethannutrition.co.uk. I'm working on that. I'm rebuilding that at the minute, but probably will stay the same. Um, but as you know, um, the best place to find me is, you know, LinkedIn. I'm super active on there. Instagram, uh, Instagram, Rebecca Healed Nutrition. TikTok, I'm dabbling with at the minute as well. So go and find me over there. I'm, I'm on TikTok, Rebecca Healed Nutrition. And LinkedIn, LinkedIn is where I'm, I'm probably the, the most active. Yeah, so um, yeah, LinkedIn. Uh, to be fair, that's where my preferred platform is at the minute. It just seems more full of normal people. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, been, you know, I, I like it. I enjoy it. I enjoy that. And like I say, you can find, so you go on my website, you'll find out more about me and stuff. But, um, and I am working on that. I'm working on that becoming more, um, more of the place to send people. But at the minute, um, but that people in the future, once my new website's up and running, it's probably best to go there because that's where most of my activity is going to take place. But I'm just working on that at the moment. So more than nutrition.co.uk. Awesome. And I'll put everything within the show notes as well so people can go and find you. But once again, a huge thank you very much, Rebecca. Always great chatting and I'll uh, catch you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I would love to come on and talk about any of these things in more detail. So speak to you again. I'll take you up on that. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Better You podcast. If you've taken a huge amount of value from this, which I'm absolutely sure you have, Please, please, please share it around, send it to a friend, send it to a family member, even a colleague. Remember, building the best possible version of you is going to be 100 times easier 
if those around you are trying to do the same themselves. If you would like an additional bit of help, support, guidance and accountability, you can just reach out to me. My website is buildwithbickle.com or you can send an email ian at buildwithbickle.com. Also, share the podcast on social media. Tag me in it. I would hugely appreciate that. Thank you again 